the Exton Moss Experiment. Adventures in Wine and Space with Simon Exton and Ken Moss. Episode 46. Behind the Sofa with Round the Archives. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest podcast. This was actually intended to be an addendum to our previous edition covering It's Dark Outside in conversation with Lisa Parker and Andrew Trowbridge. But as ever, we got a little bit carried away and it overran. So without further ado, a chat at from early February 2020 as we go behind the sofa with Round the Archives. Good morning, Andrew. And good morning, Simon and Ken. Yeah, good morning, boys. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> nice to be with you in spirit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Our very first link-up. So, it, uh, what have we got for today? Well, we're talking about... It's dark outside, I believe. We did. that's good, because that's the one that we watched. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we did watch that, too. Mm. Now, we sent you an insert, but I have to prostrate myself in front of you and apologise, because I... Gave you some erroneous facts. Never. I did. Well, just slightly. We were talking about Jimmy Perry, and we said how he wrote The Gnomes of Dulwich, and that's true. And then we went on to Come Back, Mrs. Noah, and I implied that he wrote that as well, and he didn't. Uh, That's Jeremy Lloyd and David Croft. So Jimmy Perry has no responsibility for Come Back, Mrs. Noah. However, he is responsible for Room Service, which is a bloody awful sitcom from 1979 set in a hotel. Yeah, Room Service is terrible. I I rather like Come Back, Mrs. Noah. Well, so do Um, we. I I remember watching it at the time, and I've watched it again since, and it's fun. It's daft, but you expect a sitcom to be daft. Well, yeah, we went back and did a couple of episodes for a video a few Mm -hmm. months ago, and, and we thought... The cynical approach it has to technology is actually dated quite well. You know, it's still true now, so so not bad at all. But anyway, um, it's dark outside. Now, Simon, you suggested that to us, I think, as a, as a series worth investigating. And that was a few years ago now. Do you remember? It was right when you very first started, and I sent you a, a load of suggestions for things that you could cover on Round the Archives. Did but, I send them to you, or, or was it last time we met? Because we... Since you've started around the archives, we've met up once in Poole. You, cer- you certainly talked to us about it when we met, but I, I believe you did suggest it. Yeah, I think you said but, it's a but list. But when, when did you first hear of, of Mr Rose and all his various series? Well, I first heard of them through the, um, the Blue Book, the ITV Encyclopedia of <laughs> Encyclopedia of Adventure that came out in the late 80s, I think. And it's basically a a big collection of uh, episode guides, and it covered things like Mr. Rose and It's Dark Outside. So I've known about it as a thing for a long, long time. Uh, I would have heard about it about the same time as I heard of things like Ghost Squad and the Corridor People. And it wasn't until the network release that I actually got to to see any of these things. But have you seen the the series before, The Odd Man? Because we haven't. No, I haven't seen any of it. I've seen all of Mr. Rose. Yeah. Because of the three, that's the one that survives intact and that was actually i saw all of the mr rose and loved it and then went back and um watched 
It's Dark Outside, which is a, a very different series. Well, yeah, um, when we watched that first episode the first time, it was a bit of a shock the way it, it, was, it, it, the went. Way it went. Yeah. Going back to it now, it wasn't quite as dark as we remembered, but no. even so, the the bit with the kid and the and the bloke in the abandoned house mm-hmm. when he's sort of tempting her with is an apple, An isn't apple, it? yeah. You know, yeah. come here, I've got something nice for you. That's that's not nice. And there's quite a lot of dark themes right the way through the series. Um, there's one episode uh, where it's all about extortion in a, in a boarding house because the Caribbean immigrants who can't get to live anywhere else, so the, the owner of the boarding house is charging them extortionate rents, and there's a slightly weird subplot with rabies that just appears out of nowhere and doesn't make, it, make an awful lot of sense. But they, they do dark and uh, socially relevant themes right the way through. I mean, the one that I think we like most mm. is is Wake the Dead, which is the Patrick Newell one, mm-hmm. the sort of fake medium one. And I said to you, Lisa, that could almost be a sort of an Avengers yes. story, couldn't it? Yeah, it does it? feel very Avengersy. It, it is very light-hearted, that one, co- compared to the, re- the rest of the series. And it's got Mother in it, and Mother's always going to appear avuncular and fun, even if he's playing a, a darker character. Do you know much about the the plots for the second season? Because given that most of them are missing, it's one of these series where I, find it, I found it almost impossible to do any research on it. Mm-hmm. So how much is known, do you know? My understanding is that both series do a sort of fall from grace for one of the, the major characters. Um, and that's fully documented in the, the first season. It's really well done. And one of the leads goes from very well-respected um, professional member of the community to becoming a murderer. And you see each step of that development. And I believe that the later episodes, the, the three that came after the surviving episode five, are all about Hunter and Claire's attempts to cover up the fact that they've murdered this bloke in their flat. Oh, is that actually what happens then? Well, it, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, I, I think after the, the fights that he has, yeah. the weird bloke goes on about being a dancer, hmm. um, actually dies. Oh, right. Oh, I, so I must admit, I couldn't work out whether he killed him or just put him in a sort of sleeper hold. I suppose the inference is there that he's been murdered, but are you saying that that's, that's definitely... I, I think that's it, and I think the rest of it is the their attempts to, to cover up the crime and the subsequent discovery by Inspector Rose. So again, a, a fall from grace thing. I have to ask, what do you make of uh, Anthony Ainley playing this, this part in, in this show? Because we're so used to him as as the master doing all the he-he-he stuff, that, that, that seeing him being quite nasty is, is a bit of a shock, I think. To be honest, he's wooden in pretty much anything <laughs> he does. Uh, and he's in an episode of Out of the Unknown as well, one of the fourth season ones that survives, and he, he's quite wooden in that. So I, I think he puts in a, a decent enough performance. He's supposed to be very starchy and, and businesslike, and, and that's what he is. A lot of what I was getting from it was that his fiance doesn't actually. There, there seem to be elements where she doesn't actually trust is the wrong word, but um, she's got her doubts. Yeah, and I mean that's, that's clear with the conversation she yeah. has with Rose at the beginning of the the fifth episode. I'm afraid that my entire time I was trying to work out whether he was wearing a wig or not. <laughs> <laughs> but there is one episode where this he's wearing a yarmulke. Is that five? Yeah, because that's when he turns up to the. the oh, thing. that's right. Of course, because that's the one with the crime that's sort of secondary to the whole yeah. drama. Yeah, but he whips off the Sharmulka and the hair stays very firmly in place. So I think that might actually be his real hair. Stapled on or or something like that. Or, or super it's very important, this bit, yeah. 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 
I think he's certainly nowhere near as good as Keith Barron was in the first season. No. I mean, you know why Keith Barron left? Well, I'm deliberately not saying which ah. of the three main characters is the one that has the fall from grace. But you sort of have. I deliberately haven't. And I'm <laughs> deliberately not answering that question so that I'm not saying why the character left. Because it's a really good series and people right. who, the listeners we have to our, our podcast, I think, would really enjoy it. Mm. And we're generally not particularly worried about spoilers for very old television. But this is one where we can say one of these three will come across it during right. the course of the series and can leave it at that without making it clear who it is that has the problem. Oh, you're beeping at us. <laughs> no, it's um, my iPad. Every now and again, if you say series, it thinks that you're talking to Siri. So it will dip <laughs> into the conversation. <laughs> But Ken, um, I, I I'd like to, I'd like to know um, William Mervyn. Obviously, you know him from the War Machines, and now you've seen him as Mister Rose. But how much of his other stuff have you seen? He's cropped up in a few things over the years, but this is the first time I've ever seen him as a, a sort of leading man. But I can't get him out of my head as the old gentleman from the Railway Children. Mm. Whenever I see him on screen, that's all I can picture him as. But oh. I've looked him up on IMDb, and there's loads of stuff that he's been in. Yeah, he's well worth tracking down in Crown Court for example mm-hmm. he's a, he's a really good judge with, yes. a, with a sense of humour yeah. and I, I would say if you ever do a Crown Court go for a William Mervyn one or, or a John Barron John Bar- Crown Court is a good thing to do anyway it's a great series mm. but then there's all gas and gators as well yeah, and, and he's, he's, he's brilliant he's, in that. He's, he's very good yeah. in that yeah don't let Derek That's Nemo put numbers. you off so we were looking yesterday, we were looking at his profile, and Simon was shocked to find that uh, in It's Dark Outside, he's only three years older <laughs> in that. So it's quite an old 53, 54, and he died only about 10 years after that. Yeah. So he was quite young when he went. But it's, it's that thing, and we always say it to people that watch old Doctor Who, that you get so much more from old Doctor Who by watching other shows that, that you know, the sort of guest stars are in. And I don't think people necessarily clock what a big guest star he was in The War Machines yeah. or would have been at the time. But it, it's interesting that he's in The War Machines at this point in his career. I think had he been in Doctor Who a few years later, they probably couldn't have afforded him. because it, 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 Oh, was that big, was he? Well, I think so, because cause he's on All Gas and Gators. He'd then be on the uh, sort of BBC light entertainment pay scale. Mm. It's that thing that I think Barry Letts once said that they thought about getting Ronnie Barker, but they couldn't afford him because he was in in comedy. You got paid a lot more for being a star in comedy because you, you've got Brian Wilde in this epi- in one in one of the episodes yeah. that we saw giving a wonderfully odd performance. Mm. Uh, have you done Peacock Pie yet or not? No, I was saying his performance reminded me of Peacock Pie. Yeah. I'm talking about doing Ace of Wands at some point. Yeah, because that, that would be a very good one to do, I think. That's that's probably one of our favourite mm. Ace of Wands. But again, this is one of those shows with like really good guest stars every week that, mm-hmm. that link to other series. Yes. I, I, I just love the production line of, of shows that you get in the 60s, that mm. basically everybody appears in everything. Yeah, and, that, and there are some other wonderful crime dramas that we're going to come on to at some point. I mean, I, I love The Man in Room 17. Yeah, we've got that. We've not watched any of that yet. Have we got um, that? Yes. Yeah. Less so The Fellows, which was the, the follow-on from that. Have you seen any Spider's Web? No, we have got it, but it's... it's... <laughs> Anthony Ainley is one of the leads in that, yeah. and they're of their time they're, they're really quite fun 
there's a reason why it's not a better known show <laughs> compared, compared to things like The Champions or Department S. It's interesting, but not one you can you can really watch over and over again. And also the majority of it um, only survives as black and white, originally made in colour. And I think there are a couple of episodes in colour. I mean, I'm just okay. look, looking around at the sort of list of shows we, we've bought and not, and not watched yet. And there are quite a few. <laughs> You, you, it's not just you would be appalled at our list of, of things we haven't quite got round to watching less yeah. yet, which includes time slip and things like yeah. that. You know, those... yeah. well, time slip is fun. Oh, well, yes, I, I I know, but I think you probably might have even had copies in the early nineties. I don't know, but uh... time slip was one that I had bootleg copies of. Mm. I had time slip. No, I had the first story of time slip. I had the Omega Factor. The Nightmare Man I had. Yeah. Well, I remember your list of shows that you, you showed me when we sort of first met of stuff that you had. I think you were probably the first person that showed me Doomwatch, for example. And in in some ways, I think you're responsible. You and Time Screen magazine were the two things that encouraged me to look at shows beyond Doctor Who and things like that, you know, the, the more common stuff. I suspect I may even have introduced you to Time Screen as well. You po- possibly did. Because I remember your, your list of shows in, in included The Tomorrow People, it also included The Partridge Family, and I thought that, that that's an interesting one to have on your list in your collection. But uh... I've always had a soft spot for The Partridge Family. Oh, yes, it's I know. One the, it's one of my earliest things that I remember watching, that and The Beverly Hillbillies. Hmm. And the monsters. <laughs> they all used to be on round about tea time of a of a weekday, and I would be plonked in front of that while Mum was making the tea. But yeah, so so in some ways you are slightly to blame, I think, for for me going down this whole archive TV route in the first place, for which I've got to thank you. So no complaints. It's gone out of hand, does it? Yeah. No complaints, my end. <laughs> Alan may think that. <laughs> yeah. There are regular comments about the amount of DVDs that sat out in the garage. <laughs> We've got a whole wall of DVDs in front of the other DVDs, so finding yeah. stuff is a nightmare. Yeah. Well, we always uh, said that if we did win the lottery, the first thing we do is is buy next door <laughs> and just knock through, and that way we could get round the back of the DVD collection. <laughs> the other thing that that's really interesting to see, as well as the police programs from the the sixties is the way spy drama has developed. So you start off with things like the Rat Catchers, and it's very stiff upper lip, Mr. Johnny Warner. And then you get into more gritty Cold War stuff like Callan um, and the Sandbaggers. And then you go through the Mr. Palfrey of Westminster, which is very, very 80s. And then, and at the same time, you're getting th- things like the John Le Carre adaptations, uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Smiley's People. And then you come through to through spooks and you end up with things like line of duty that we've got now and they're they're a real window on the politics of the time because mm. it, it's going through the whole of the the cold war that's very callan sandbaggers mr palfrey and then there's post um soviet block stuff which is every bit as interesting but very different storylines mm. boots is kind of the transition between those two i mean we've been watching special branch yes. on uh, talking, talking cobblers tv haven't haven't we and that, that, call it talking cobblers talking talking cobblers that's what people call it <laughs> uh, talking pictures tv <laughs> And again, that sort of opened my eyes to Fulton Mackay being yeah. in something else apart from Porridge. Yeah, he's, he's brilliant, isn't it? And Fraggle Rock. And Fraggle, and Fraggle, Fraggle Rock, Rock, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. all his in- that's something we can black archive, because all his inserts 
have been destroyed. I think there are a few. Yeah, a few off airs because I think some of the DVDs have his stuff. Yeah, because there's a load of stuff from Victor Pemberton's collection, I think. Probably not quite broadcast quality, but they are out there. You were very fond fond of Fraggle Rock, Uh, yes. Yes, I, I, I do like Fraggle Rock. And uh, when you used to play Doctor Who? Yes, yes. When when I was sort of 10 and 11 and we played Doctor Who and I was the Doctor, my nephew would never want to be a companion. He, always, he was a fraggle, so we just used to leave him to play and be a fraggle. <laughs> Crossover of worlds, fraggle, rock and Doctor Who. Of course. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think, getting back to what we were talking about, of the two series and the surviving episodes, I think personally our taste is more towards Mr Rose yes. as a series. Yeah. But I can appreciate just how well done its dark outside is. Yes. But it's it's not a show we go back to very often. No. It's powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you want something a bit lighter, I, I would push people more towards Mr. Rose. Mr. Rose. Yeah. Actually, I I prefer Mr. Rose as a as a TV series. It's a bit more light-hearted and whimsical and lets William Mervyn flex his comedy muscles every so often. For the uninitiated, um, what's the difference between... Because you said it's this three series that are tied in. I'm right, OK. There are three series with the character of Mr Rose in. He is a secondary character in The Odd Man. and The, the Odd Man of the title is... Is he a bookie or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's something like that. I can't it? even remember. Can't remember. <laughs> he's, he's not, he's not a, a policeman, but he is has an association with the police and Chief Inspector Rose and Detection, Detective Sergeant Swift, the Keith Barron character, come on later on in the series. They're, they're not throughout the whole of that series. Right. And then they spin off into It's Dark Outside and obviously Keith Barron leaves at the end of the first season, replaced by Anthony Ainley, but still with Mr Rose being a little bit aloof and um, almost acerbic at times. He then retires and goes to write his memoirs, and that's what Mr. Rose is. So it's him as a private citizen getting involved in slightly more whimsical and fantastical crimes. And I personally find Mr. Rose more entertaining. It's Dark Outside is excellent, um, and I don't think there's a bad episode in it. It does suffer a lot from that. 1960s police oh we've got 10 minutes left to wrap up the episodes we'll throw we'll throw a, a, a denouement in that probably you haven't seen coming because we haven't given you enough information for it but that that's not a, a criticism that you can specifically level uh, mm-hmm. it's dark outside there was a lot of crime drama from around that time that, that suffered from that are you intending to do a mr rose episode or two at some point uh, we're planning to. I think I would do it season by season mm. because certainly the third season is very different to the, the previous two. It's a new, again, a new set of regulars. You sadly lose the the corridor people alumnus who's in the first couple of series as Mr. Rose's sort of butler manservant. Have you two seen the corridor people? We have got it. Yeah, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't yeah. quite screwed up the courage to watch it. <laughs> Beyond a clip I've seen with somebody pushing a pram, and there's a yeah. there's a is it a bloke in the pram or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a um, a very short assassin who is dressed up as a baby in the pram. <laughs> I've watched some mental crap over the years. <laughs> that is, it's high up the scale. Whereas I think it's wonderful. Yeah. We should do it at some yes. point, and yeah. we, we just have to pluck up the courage because yeah, how many episodes is it it's not many there's only four yeah yeah and the fourth one it feels much longer the fourth <laughs> one you would be kind of justified in not watching i, I don't <laughs> i hadn't seen the fourth one in years um before we 
did it here. It's an interesting piece of television, but really makes for quite uncomfortable viewing to a modern audience. But I, I, I fully support the freedom of people in the 60s mm. to make television that's as mad as an elderflower bush, you know. Mm. But on the other hand, coming back to it later, you think, yeah. why am I watching this? You know, what the hell is going on? Have you seen Gurney Slade? First episode only again. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, that's... Oh, because a... that, that gets a bit weirder as it goes through. Yeah. Um, it starts off sort of breaking the fourth wall, that, that kind of thing. It does get odder as it goes on and on, um, and has Annika Wilson's regular. Yes, indeed. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It exists in its entirety. Network have put it out. It's You've sent me a copy of uh, a pre-watch copy. One other thing around. I wanted to ask um, in your sort of intentions... How about Mr. Reader? Is that on the is that on the list? We've, we've done one, yeah. Oh, you have done one. Yeah, yeah. we did did Very one nice. in one of the in memoriam episodes. We did the Counting House. I really like Mr. Reader. Yeah. And the other one that we want to do more of is the Rivals of Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Yes. Because we did the Horse of the Invisible. <laughs> um, I would really like to do uh, some of the Baroness Orpsey, Old Man in the Corner mysteries. Yeah. Or Cell 13. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that is that, good. That is good, yeah. That, that. I, I, think, I think my favourite is the Robert Stevens one, though. Yeah. That is just, he's so good. Oh, is the blind it's, detective. It's blind detective. It's yeah. Max Carados. It's such a shame they didn't spin that into mm. a series because he's fabulous. I could just watch him forever. Yeah. And, that. and I would have loved to see a, a full series of the Karnacki. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The Donald Pleasance. Because you, you actually ah. bought some Karnaki books, didn't yes. you? Because oh, people God, yeah. write their own Karnaki fan fiction. Blooming awful fan fiction. Well, one of, one of the Telos novellas, when uh, when that was being published, has Karnaki as a character. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, yeah, it's the Andrew Cartmel one, what? isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Andrew Cartmel was a huge Karnaki it's fan. It's over yeah. there. I can't remember what it's called. And, and of course, Big uh, big Finish as well. Yes. With Dan Stark, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Are they new stories or adaptations? They are adaptations. So they do do The Horse of the Invisible. On audio. On audio, (laughs) I think. Might be be quite interested in. Yeah, that was a few years ago, but yeah. yeah. We're just prepping to release a new podcast looking at audio drama. All right. So we're doing. We're alternating Doctor Who and non-Doctor Who, so we're doing a lot of big finish stuff. We've just recorded the BBC release of The Savages. Oh, have you listened to Night Terrace? Uh, no. The Australian time travel comedy thing. No. Really well worth it. I think it's on the BBC. It, I don't know if it's on iPlay. We might have just uh, gone past the limit because it's only on for a month after broadcast. So. I'm, I'm sure some kind of generous person would be able to send you MP3s. <laughs> excellent. But yeah, that, that is absolutely excellent. It, it's very funny, but it's, it's also a really good take on, on Doctor Who. It's successful in the way that Nebulous wasn't. Yeah. Because Nebulous was trying to do a funny quote mass and it just really fell flat. Night Terrace doesn't. It's trying deliberately to do a funny early William Hartnell Doctor Who with the lead character being a bit acerbic and almost antagonistic to the accidental companion. But actually, when the chips come down, she's very fond of him. <laughs> it's a really well done series. No, I don't, don't know it at all. We can't even decide what so we're going to we do. We talked about what we've got coming up. What do you, what? sort of things are you planning to to treat us with we're just waiting for the final article for our next episode i'll give you a a few clues of things we've got in the can Mm -hmm. so we've got a piece on here come the double deckers nice nice he says (laughs) we wanted to do a tribute to terry jones 
Um, so we're doing medieval lives rather than any Monty Python stuff because we mm-hmm. think other people can do Python better, better than yeah. us. We've just recorded one um, and we did an episode of Ripping Yarns and an episode of the Complete and Utter History of Britain. Oh, right. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, you know, Python is a little too obvious to go for, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we're waiting for a piece on the Wild Wild West, <laughs> which is a show I don't really know at all. Um, I don't know it, whether you, whether you do. It's fun. Um, yeah, Paul's guest was talking about that, wasn't he? And they, yeah, they, well, they, they, that's, that's right. They're going to do a fuller piece on it, and that's hopefully been recorded this weekend. So we're, we're I've, I've only seen a couple of the, the episodes from the original series, and it is fun. Mm. I came to that through the film. And I actually really like the film. It has a real Avengers film feel to it. And I, I like the film version of the, the Avengers that uh, Ralph Fiennes. Yeah. I know most Avengers fans don't. And you have to see it as a separate thing in its own right, rather than a direct comparison to the Patrick McNee and Anna Blackman, Diana Rigg, Linda Thorson series. Yeah. If you can make that distance, it's actually a really entertaining film. And they hugely misuse um, Eddie Izzard because they get somebody who is very famous for their verbal comedy and give them a character that is mute. Oh. I've not seen the film for years. I really I, like it. I, I thought it was all right, but I do not. I, it got out. Yeah. The Avengers film is the Avengers TV series, a little bit like the Prisoner reboot is the Prisoner TV series. If you watch it on its own, it's actually pretty good, and it has a completely different take on the, the prisoner and village situation than the original Patrick McGoon one, and actually one that, in terms of plot, I prefer. It was panned because it wasn't the quirky 1960s TV series um, that doesn't really explain things even when you get to the end of it. But like you were saying with the, uh, the Corridor people, that kind of television just would not get made these days. The Prisoner, I, if, if that were floated as a, a suggestion for a TV programme today, I don't think it would get done. There isn't that kind of weirdness in... But I look at a lot of television, to be honest, from the 60s and 70s, and I wonder how it ever got made at all, because it's completely mental. Ludwig is, is a, <laughs> a, a good example, but looking back to Monty Python, I'm not a great fan of the TV series. I, I think the movies are wonderful, the television series less so. And I got the box set and started watching it. And I found it a terrible slog, actually. But the first couple of episodes, you watch it. And this is 1969. Who signed this off? There is the occasional series that sort of devolves into into weirdness. I'm I'm thinking of Community here. For its first series, that's pretty much a a straight-down-the-line sitcom. And then from the second series, it starts doing the pastiches of gunslinger films, but with paintballs and... Uh, bringing in alternate universe stuff and that, there's all their Doctor Who convention thing. And, I, do you know Community? Yes. Well, I, again, we, we sort of more know of it of than, it, yeah. than yeah. have actually sat down to watch yeah, much of it. Series, but we, we, but... we, we, have, oh, we have got some of it. Yes. Yeah, right. The first series sets up the characters and it, it's quite good as a standard American sitcom. It's still worth watching, but as they go further on and they do genre pastiches and they do animated episodes and they'll do they do claymation episodes and stop motion episodes and there's one episode set in a, in a video game and it just gets more and more quirky and imaginative and I can't think of an, another series recently that has been as inventive as that. 
I mean, you, you've you've watched a bit of Inside Number Nine. Oh, I love you? Inside Number Nine. They're not afraid to be dark, to be odd or dark, dark or, or, dark, or that. And dark each episode is very bit. different. It aren't is, they? Yeah. yeah. But the, the League of Gentlemen, because all of that's come from the success of the League of Gentlemen. Mm. I don't think the League of Gentlemen would have got made if it hadn't been as successful on the radio as it was. Mm. No, that's true. So, yeah. So it was one of those very successful radio things that translated into a very successful TV thing. And there, there are a few sitcoms that have successfully made that transition from radio to telly. I think Cabin Pressure would have done it had they been able to get Benedict Cumberbatch for it. But as we were saying on another podcast, you can get big stars who will set aside a few days to record a, a radio sitcom because they just need to sit there with microphones and there isn't all the learning the, the lines to your, your off-book, um, blocking out your performances, costume, makeup, all the, uh, the extra levels of complexity that go with filming something rather than just sitting in a sound booth. Have you heard Cabin Pressure? Yes. It's absolutely brilliant. It's one of the funniest sitcoms that I've come across in a long, long time and would brilliantly make the transition to, to television if he were able to devote time to it and there are other things that have moved. they have moved to television and i don't think work as well dead ringers i did not really enjoy it on telly i thought that was a bit of a misfire and it's now gone back to radio little britain actually now i'm not at all a fan of the television series but the radio series is pretty good little britain's one of those comedy sketch shows and there were a number of them around at the time there was the fast show there was um smack pony and um, they did a very funny episode with funny sketches that was basically repeated each one of the, their episodes and it was a lot, an old-fashioned way of doing things yeah. because that kind of very repetitive sketch show worked back in the 60s and 70s where you weren't able to binge-watch an entire box set but you watch three episodes of uh, Little Britain or The Fast Show back-to-back -back, and you're watching the same things over and over again now, Catherine Tate Show is another one which I couldn't get into at all but Paul Whitehouse he openly said about The Fast Show because the BBC wanted him to count on the fans want them to carry on he said we're pulling the plug before people realize that it's actually rubbish yeah <laughs> i don't think it was rubbish it wasn't I, rubbish it was good i, enjoyed I think it was show. very repetitive but i think he, and, he and that's an odd direction to go down when you were starting to get the commercial videos and dvds coming through so people were able to sit down and mm. immediately afterwards compare another episode yeah. and then another episode and it's, it's at that point realise actually we've just laughed at the same sketch with a slightly different costume three times on the bounce. This week we are mostly doing the same sketches as last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's slightly odd when you look at sort of sketch show comedy how inventive some of the, uh, the shows that were pre-commercial VHS so things like Not the Nine O'Clock News or Three of a Kind or Kenny Everett. Yeah, we've got a we've got a Kenny Everett release sitting over there, haven't yeah, we? That, that Warren's uh, Warren's lent us, so we need to do some more. But uh, that's the thing. I mean, comedy especially just burns up so much material um, in, in thirty minutes if if you're just trying to make a six episode series. Mm. So yeah, you can understand people doing variations on a theme just to get the bloody thing finished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that was something Morecambe and Wise said. They they used to say that one episode or a, a couple of episodes of their TV show was an entire year's worth of touring performance. Mm. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing. Yes, if you're mm. doing it on stage, you take it from town to town mm. and every audience is new. Yes. Yeah, if you're doing yeah. it on the telly, the same audience is coming back every week. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, just going back to Kenny Everett, 
he did do a lot of the same characters with a lot of the same catchphrases, but in different situations. And it, it, it wasn't as repetitive. And even looking back on it now, it wasn't as, as repetitive. Because I'd rather That's... forgotten, mm. talking about Everett, is, is, is stuff like the Captain Kremen serials. And, and yes, because do... that was his ITV stuff. Yes, yeah. And, and just to do an animation like that every week, mm. um, you, you're setting yourself a bit of a hard schedule. I don't know whether they like done the whole animation before they made the series or whether they were trying to produce an animation every week and that sounds insane to me wasn't captain Kramen a, a character that was in his radio show yeah, and then translated to the itv telly show and then he had a completely new set of characters uh, people like sid snart and marcel and all of those for the for the bbc and none of the itv characters translated across i think that's right i think so yeah because it doesn't doesn't his, his uh, first bbc one he sort of booted out uh, the back of a, of a, a thames van or something like that isn't he, he and then <laughs> Then, then picked up by the BBC and and t- taken on or something. I forget quite how it goes, but the idea that, um, but that, just, that does sound very Kenny Everett. Yeah, they just got rid of him, um, sort of booted him out. One of my favourite sketches of his is he gets a list of all the things that are by royal appointment, so ride on lawnmowers and yeah. uh, and things like that. And then he dresses up as the Queen and is is shown using all of these things. <laughs> I think there's a concrete mixer in there. I, th- I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when I when I think of Kenny Everett, it's partly that sketch and partly him dressed up as Carmen Miranda dancing around to some eighties pop thing or other and, and falling in a paddling pool at the end. <laughs> One of my favourites is actually he does um Rod Stewart at the piano. Oh Barry Manilow at the piano and he's uh, his nose just gets bigger and bigger until it's the front end of Concord uh, and he's swinging it around knocking ionic columns down and I think he did and he does it, he does that with Rod Stewart, Rod Stewart and, and the, the leopard skin ants but they're, they're inflatable and yeah. his bomb just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> and in the end he floats <laughs> off with it as balloons <laughs> oh we should do some Kenny Everett mm, happily <laughs> um, and the other thing that is amazingly inventive week after week after week is the goodies yes I mean, the goodies can be hit or miss. I'll admit that you know some are funny and some some less so. But thirteen episode series of of trying to produce a new funny plot like that, I'm just amazed that they were able to do it. And again, you forget how much other stuff they they were writing near the start because they were doing like some of the Doctor series, mm-hmm. weren't they? Because th- there's that one that you always wince at, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Is that the one in the girls' school? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And you think, uh, Bill Oddie, Graham Garden, what are you doing? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and they were all involved in writing. I'm sorry, I'll read that again. That's right. Yeah. So okay, in terms of performance it would be a tip up for an afternoon and um can record from a script but somebody had to write all of that again it's the actual sheer mechanics of the production as well because you know everybody goes on about doctor who using sort of visual effects but you look at something like sort of goodies rule okay with the giant dougal and uh, the giant zebedee mm-hmm. and that's a hard that's a hard thing to pull off working kitten con yes Absolutely, yes. You know, a, a lighthouse uh, takes off into space or something <laughs> like that, you know. Somebody's got to build the bloody model for that, so yeah. I've, I've, I've got a plan to do a, a goodies episode, um, and what I was thinking of doing is the episodes where actors who play Doctor Who turn up as guests. Oh, I can think of two. Is there a third? Kind okay. of. There's, there's uh, Troutman 
Pertwee. Yeah. And there is a Peter Davidson, who isn't Peter Davidson that played the Doctor. Oh, right. I was, I was, I was going to say, because he, he'd be damn young then. <laughs> I was going to say, pre a man for Emily. The, yeah. good, the goodies went through to the early 80s, remember? Yes, but I'm, I'm trying to think of the episode that you... When you said the name, I'm trying to think of where the episode is in the run. I think it's an early one, but I might be wrong. I, I can't remember. I've, I've, yeah. I've searched it out for us to do at some point. That that reminds me, are you ever going to do A Man for Emily? We've done we've it. We've done it. You have done it. Yeah, we have. This, the uh, amount of stuff we've got in the can yeah. to edit, um, I think we've got enough material now to take us through to about episode 65. We're currently on 38. We've got at least half a dozen Doctor Whos that we've done on the randomizer, yeah. both New Who and classic. and classic. This afternoon we're doing another couple. We're doing Curse of Fenric as a memoriam for Nicholas Parsons. And we're doing the time medal of Donald Tosh. All right. And we're all also doing Hitchhiker's Guide. Because oh. we want that as episode 42. <laughs> <laughs> now, we, we missed that by a couple of, uh, mm. couple of editions. We were a bit uh, early. Yeah, we did it to, for 38 just to be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we've also got a load of um, segments for you guys. Excellent. Oh, yeah, loads of stuff, yeah. So we've got the Misadventure, Class Act, Ooh. Vicar of Dibley. Wow. Uh, well, we did Vicar of Dibley as a sort of in memoriam to Edward Kelsey, who was Joe Brondy in The Arches, if you're familiar with that, and he was in a lot of other stuff as well on telly. He's been gone nearly a year now, so I should probably edit that. <laughs> but it's, as I'm sure you two find, it's just finding the time. I would love to sit day and night recording and editing podcasts. It's so much fun. We've also done The Machine Stops for you, and Ooh. the first episode of No Heroics and Absolute Power. Wow, I have to say, thank you. <laughs> I really oh, appreciate oh, that. Have you got any requests? Oh, blimey. Well, the thing is, the way sort of we work is that we, we often plant seeds with people. So we've got a lot of people that we've talked to about possibly doing something. And coordinating who does what is somewhat difficult. So if we know what's coming up, that's really helpful, even if, you know... We don't necessarily receive it all straight away. So what you've listed there will keep us going for a hell of a long time. I, I will say, I will, I will say that. For, I will say that for nothing. But I, I, I've the always... other thing that we're aiming to do for you is the first episode of um, Pushing Daisies. Oh, okay. Thank you. Because, because again, you're covering shows that we would never have even thought of suggesting, frankly. And I really like. Have you not seen Pushing Daisies? I don't, no. no, we haven't, no. Oh, it is fantastic. It is quirky and silly with a, with a slight dark edge. Um, it's, it's Brian Fuller, so the bloke who did um, Wonderfuls and Dead Like Me. It's about a pie maker who can bring the dead back to life. You can only bring them back to life for a minute, and if they stay alive longer than that, then something else has to die in their, their place. And in the first episode, he brings his childhood sweetheart back to life. And they fall in love, but they can never touch each other because his power works by touch. There's that going on. His co-worker is in love with him and is very jealous of the new relationship and doesn't understand the new relationship. And then there's a private detective who is blackmailing him into using his powers to wake up murder victims, ask who murdered them, um, and then collect the reward money from that. And it's all done in this really cutesy way. It is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> we'll do you the first ep episode of it, but it's well, well worth searching out. Only ran for a couple of series. Well, I'm going to have to start to draw this to a close. I'm looking at my, my recorder and it's starting to run out of space. <laughs>
<laughs> We've been going for 50 minutes, you realise? Yeah, it's been more in conversation with than uh, it's dark outside. I think, well, uh, that's all right. You can... Yeah, right. Yeah. I think it's it'll nice listening. But I can say, you know, obviously you can hack this down a bit. <laughs> we always do. So, but anyway, thank you very much for having us. Yes, thank yeah. you. Oh, thank you for, uh, for being with us. It's been great having a conversation with you. Yes, well, and our first telematic link. It is. Yeah. Well, I, I I do like the idea of all our sort of groups of podcasts sort of helping each other out, <laughs> and that's 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 starting to happen quite a lot now. Because we've got yes. we've got some other people to record stuff for in the next couple of weeks that yes. we can't we can't say too much about yet. But okay, well we'll say ta now. We'll go off and have, mm-hmm. have some lunch. So yes. Simon and Ken, yeah. thank you very much. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you so Good talking okay. to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Okay, well it's time to get out the tonic screwdriver for our gin review. What have we got for tonight? Well, tonight we have St Ives Gin, which is a small batch gin from Cornwall. And it is a cold compound Cornish gin infused with 13 secret botanicals gathered from the Cornish Cornish coastline, cottage garden and clifftop, proudly showcasing locally foraged gorse flowers, kelp and freshly cut herbs. Are we believing that? What are we, what are we tasting here? It's not particularly gorsey to me because I, I I do like a nice gorse gin. Those Scottish oh, gins, truth, that's a bit. Uh, mm. It's up to your usual standard of mixing, but it could actually do with a, do- a drop more tonic. That that's a strong gin. Oh, I I thought it was fairly fairly bland to be honest. And I'm not I'm not getting a really big hit of any kind of botanicals off it. So certainly not gorse, and it, it's not a patch on curio, which is the other no, Cornish gin that we did. I'm just going to get a top-up, which has vaguely improved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not particularly impressed, but uh, this will be perfectly honest. I mean, it, it, it's nice enough. Um, I won't go out of my way to find it again. No, if, you, if it was placed in front of you, you'd drink it, and you wouldn't turn your nose up at it. No. Um, it's I'm a three. This. It's a three, yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah, three is fair. That about wraps it up for this edition. Thanks to Andy and Lisa for being on technical duties that Sunday morning. We were a little worse for wear. At the time of recording, the world is currently battling the COVID-19 coronavirus, and we're experiencing an increase in listeners as an unexpected side effect. So we'll be releasing episodes a little more frequently than usual during the lockdown period. We'll be looking at several episodes of Out of the Unknown on the theme of isolation, doing a back-to-back rewatch of Children of the Stones and the Doctor Who story The Stones of Blood. Plus, we have a previously unheard interview with Elizabeth Sladen from a fan convention in 2004 and a long overdue memorial to Terry Jones. All that's coming up in the next few weeks, so until then, stay safe and we'll be back with you soon. Bye now. The Exton Moss Experiment featured Simon Exton, Ken Moss, Lisa Parker and Andrew Trowbridge. All featured television soundtracks are the property of their respective producers and no infringement of copyright is intended. The programme was edited in Rishton, Lancashire and produced by Maverick Productions. For more information, please visit our website at extonmossexperiment.blogspot.com or find us on Facebook.